Hello everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club Podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. Alright, so it's uh, it's been a while. <laughs> Approximately five months, if my math hasn't failed me yet. So, just to catch up, um, just to catch you up, myself and Whiskey have been rather busy since August. Whiskey and I both got new jobs, and sadly, as a result, had to move away from each other. While Whiskey has been doing a fair amount of traveling for his job, I embarked on a career course of my own for three months, and I'm also delighted to announce the arrival of our second child. Little Rox Jr. is about three months old right now, and Mrs. Rox was in no way going to allow me to podcast while I was away and only got to spend so much time on weekends with the kids and and the missus, and rightfully so. But with all that over and stabilized... And with the wonderful help of the internet, we are back to recording, and we brought our friend, Cognac's back for this episode. We didn't really know what to talk about in this episode. We figured we'd do a little bit of a catch-up since so much has happened in the last five months. So what you get is uh, what we produced, and I think you'll enjoy it. All right. So are we all here, or are you still screwing around with your microphone there? If you can hear me okay, I'm going to stop here because otherwise things are going to start to fly. <laughs> I can he- we can hear you just fine. Oh, boy. Grumpy you got a little bit of technology. a... Yeah. You got a little bit of a... Uh, um, I don't know, kind of like a hiss or almost like static. Maybe it's... I don't know if it's feedback or whatever. Okay. Yeah, because I'm on strictly headset right now. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yeah. We, we can just do some idle chat while I try and figure out this mess. It no, doesn't sound bad now. No, it's fine. That's good. That's it's just fine. when he's. I think it's just when he's moving the microphone around or something that you hear the hiss. No, it's a head. It's a headset. It's all. It's an all-in-one type of deal. Yeah, so is mine. Yeah, me too. It's my PlayStation one because I'm not doing this all the time. Yeah, that's the same. That's the exact same thing that I got right now. I couldn't find my other headphones, so this will have to do. It seems to be the same quality, which is fine. Cool. It works if it works for twelve-year-olds screaming abuse at each other playing video games, it'll work for us. <laughs> yeah, that uh, does the trick. Okay, well, holy shit, this is like what three, five months in the making now. When was the last time we recorded? Sometime in August, according to when I was listening to you guys in Budapest. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Um. So, I figured uh, we, like, I don't know, we we didn't really talk about what we were going to talk about today. I know we were probably no. going to do, like, uh-huh. a, catch up, a catch-up episode, I figured, because we haven't recorded in so long. So, I don't know if you wanted to do, like, what did we miss in the last, like, five months? <laughs> we could... Four months. Four months. Four months. Um, a couple of things. I got. I got a couple of topics we could we could go after. Yeah. Um, one is probably more on the pop culture side. We could talk about. Um, what's her face? Oh, and her, her music. <laughs> no, she's a famous singer that was complaining about her her music, uh, not having the access to her her music. Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift. There you go. Uh, How yeah. she's bad mouthing the producer. 
And she's because she sold her music and then she doesn't have access to it and she's complaining about that because she didn't read a contract. Exactly. Well, it, it, I, I think because she shared the, the intellectual property right uh, pro- yeah. property, but it takes a business savvy to put stuff out there. And she took it all and wanted it all, all back for nothing. Yeah. Um, and now she's bad mouthing anybody that has anything to do with it. And if you listen to the guy who owns it now, he's like, yeah, sit down. Give me a call. We'll work something out. <laughs> yeah. So. There's that. There's um, all those people talking about um, wanting a second Brexit referendum, but they kind of just did one by giving Johnson a majority. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, there was your second Brexit referendum done. Check. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that, I don't think that's 100 percent fair, because if no, you look but, at the, 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 the parties that were that were, were oh, buying yeah. Uh, it was like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> so, and what has been with candidates lately? Oh, politicians or just people trying to run for? Like, well, when when you have to vote between a series of shit candidates, right? Yeah, you like two equal bowls of shit. Yeah, one's corrupt, one's a liar, or one's incompetent, and one's you know, irrelevant. One's completely oh. irrelevant, and one you haven't even heard of. Yeah. And then you get yeah. a 32 seats for the block or 34 or something. Because <laughs> the NDP was completely irrelevant. <laughs> well, it's... Uh, Which is unfortunate because like, I, I, I liked some of what they were saying. But. Yeah. You, you know what I would pay for? I would pay t- to hear the Queen's raw, unpasteurized thoughts. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right? It, it's, it, like she's reading the throne speech, and you just think what must be going through her head. You can you can hear it in the subtext too that she's not quite happy, but like not happy with the really of, Yeah, that's like you know she just do. Is it was it her who said it back in the day? We are not amused. We are not amused. That would have been Victoria. Was that Victoria? Yeah. Okay. Allegedly, you, you, you I thought know, it was you, the you Queen said, Mum for a while. Well, it was the Queen Mom, just a different one. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you sit back and you say, "Man, she's like we we gave up the we gave up power to democracy for this. Yeah, for this idiocy. <laughs> what is happening? Like, I think we can do just marginally better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's ugh. It's pretty shit. <laughs> it look does not look good. <laughs> uh, well. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we, I, I guess we're going to avoid talking about incredibly recent events due to the fact that we don't have all the facts yet. Incredibly Iran recent Iraq. I'm talking about oh. the drone strike on the Iranian like CDS. I did hear about this. I just was just briefly reading about it uh, earlier today. The Twitter sphere is alive with the World War Three memes and people saying that they'll just say they're a woman if they get drafted and all this other nonsense. You know the way memes well, go. Twitter is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Well, you know the way memes go that starts with something reasonable and then it just degenerates into like somehow attacking somebody under the under the subtext of making a joke. Yeah. Yeah, populism at its finest. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a whole bunch Turns of out not everyone should have a voice. Who knew? Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, well, oh, the, th- uh, the thing is, everyone should have a voice, but not everybody should be heard. <laughs> well, here, here's a topic we can debate, I, I, I think. Um, so uh, 
I read a, a book uh, yesterday. Um, like a whole one yesterday? It's called, yeah, it's called Dead Aid. Uh, it's written by mm. a, an economist out of Africa. And she said it, it, she basically, she's got 40 years worth of experience or 50 years worth of experience in the fear of economics. And she basically said, if you want Africa to be, to, to be self-sustaining, stop giving it aid. I could have told you that when I got back from Haiti. Yeah, well, Haiti's Haiti's a prime example how the U.S. gives it uh, subsidized corn and then wipes out all the local farmers. <laughs> yep. Here's here's a problem. Well, they, with they that, just though. have no way to they have no way to stand up on their own. Um, they're so reliant on foreign aid now that like their government serves very little purpose. Um, well, the arg- the argument she gives. Uh, well, it's, it's it's actually a fascinating book. Um, and I think it's, it's written like an essay. Um, but uh, what happens is, is if you if 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 the Western uh, countries give a let's say African country aid, it does two things really. It undermines the local population's power. Yep. So if you to want be able taxpayers- to solve their own problems, yeah, exactly. And if you want taxpayers to pay taxes, uh, you kind of got to make them happy a little bit, and. That's one way political uh, people can be um, uh, can have a, an effect on government. The second piece, a lot of aid has a um, a shaping clause, so uh, or conditions. So when yes. you give aid, uh, you will uh, <clears throat> the International Monetary Fund uh, like you will become democracies. Yeah, well, it's even worse when countries do it, right? Here's here's um, Ghana receiving, I think it was something in the in the order of thirty five million dollars towards like women's education and equality. So like they couldn't build infrastructure with it; um, they had to yep. spend it on social programs that really have a nebulous effect, even in the first world, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's when a country gives money conditionally based on it being spent on something, which I understand what they're trying to do, but. Yeah, and but they, the the data shows it doesn't matter what the conditions are; they're yeah. going to spend it anyway because there's well, no accountability. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> here's thirty five million dollars. You can only spend it on this. Thanks for the thirty five million bucks. Get stuffed. Like, what are you going to do? Invade us and take so your what, money back? So here, some some interesting things. So, so the the initial A program was modeled after a post World War II model yeah, to, to reconstruct Western uh, uh, Western Europe. Yeah, but the the difference was is Europe already had other sources of in- income uh, and other ways of, of managing it and had a fairly educated population. And so with they, the exception they of Italy and, and maneuver, yeah. Well, especially with Germany, especially with West Germany becoming the economic powerhouse of the entire Union, oh, European and Union. And then Japan, even, Japan. even East Germany had the same thing happen with them under the communist bloc. They, they were still an econo- economic powerhouse because they both had access, I believe they both had access to the Rhine River. I would, um, I, I would, I would hesitate to call anything happening under the communist bloc an economic powerhouse. Well, not an ec- <laughs> no, okay, <laughs> like not an like economic comparatively, comparatively like, to the other one, to the other bloc nations, they had <laughs> they had the biggest ec- or I don't the biggest impacts on. Well, yeah, the that ec- makes sense because Germany Germany was the only one of the of the what became the Warsaw Pact that was really truly industrialized before the war. The, That's I mean. The rest of the Soviet Union was kind of a Russia. Russia's always been about fifty years behind, right? 
like even Imperial Russia. And now they're, I mean, Russia's a, a third world country with nukes. So. And they're doing everything in their power to bring us down to their level. Well, yeah. Even the playing field. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Interesting, you talk about the, uh, um, well, what was that subject you guys were talking about there with? Fuck. My brain, my brain's gone much. Foreign aid. Shit. Foreign aid. Got, got baby on or the Taylor, brain. Or Taylor Swift. No, no. Foreign aid. Foreign aid. <laughs> no, you guys, sorry, guys. You guys mentioned that earlier. Um, I saw a movie recently. Yeah, guys, have you guys seen the movie uh, War Machine? The Brad Pitt movie. It's about, uh, I think it's based off it's Stanley McChrystal. Uh, Stanley yeah. McChrystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one scene in there where they talk about, they go to these crops or whatever, and uh, they're they're making all the heroin, they're planting and growing all the heroin in Afghanistan. And uh, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what oh, happened. I know, I know like, exactly what this why don't is. We just, why don't we just remove all the crops and like get them the, wh- what else could they plant here? And they're like, well, they could plant cotton. Well, why don't we get them to plant cotton? Because then it would interfere with uh, corporate interests back in America who have a monopoly on cotton. Yeah. Then it was like, Congress so, won't allow it. Yeah. yeah, they would, they, so it would never, heroin. that's right. That's, <laughs> that was a, that was a crazy scene just to hear that. Well, I'm just well, like, holy well, shit. So you, you can't, it's, it's not wise to give them foreign aid uh, because it, 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 it removes their ability to actually deal with problems themselves. But when they want to have any kind of economic growth, we put roadblocks because we don't want them to compete with us. Well, like, well I wouldn't say that's not true. Kind of that would better with, with building. No, 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 no. Let, 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 let me interject there. There's a, there's a couple of things, there's a couple of dynamics here. We, we, we kind of touched on it with, with food. But, I mean, the there there's government and then there's non-government entities. So the, 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 the non, most recent non-government would be, like, mosquito right. nets to combat malaria. So she tells in the book they tell a story about how there's 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 a there's a, there's a uh, mosquito net manufacturer he can he can pump out 100,000 you know per year <clears throat> and he's got 10 employees they each have like nine kids you know there's like 100 people basically over 100 people earning a livable wage at this plant okay but malaria, malaria goes. We want to combat malaria, <laughs> and so what we're going to do is, uh, in is in the U.S. We hold a benefit concert. You know, Bono comes out and does his thing, and it's always you know, Bono. I believe it's yeah, Bono. Yeah, and we flood, and we're going to flood them, and then we're going to flood the market with free mosquito nets <laughs> from Bono. <laughs> yeah, so, so they got boned. Um, <laughs> So, so the basically the business was wiped out. But what happened? Well, she says, what happens two years from now when all those nets are wear are out? gone? Yeah, there's nobody. But there's nobody. There's nobody. Nobody to make it. So they're worse off. And she, the data suggests that since the 1960s, the quality of life in Africa is rapidly uh, decreasing. Is, yeah, has decreased. And they even really? have a word. For it. Yes, they even have a word for it. It's called a Dutch disease. Mm-hmm. Huh. So what happened so, is, yeah, sorry. There's a, there's another there's another example that a lot of people um, may or may not know, but I, and I'm I'm struggling to remember the name of the shoe brand. I think it's Tom's, but there's a shoe brand that there's a, a series of governments <clears throat> have actually banned them in or banned their activities in their countries. I believe Kenya among them because they what their shtick was is if you bought a pair of their hundred dollar shoes, they would send a pair to Africa for free, like a ten dollar kind of knockoff cheap version. But it was running all the shoemakers in these countries out of business. They had no way to make a living because there was just free shoes coming in by the truckload, right? So it's it's like you're talking about you devalue everything. 
you know, like when the Spanish brought back too much gold and crashed the economy in Europe in the in the after the conquistadors found Central America, found air quotes. Um, mm. you, you can't flood the market with any one product and expect that area to be able to sustain itself. What you're doing is basically creating dependencies amongst the continent of Africa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, and the, the, another example she she gives is, and, and, you, and you think about it. So, it goes, what if we're going to spend a million dollars on in build uh, buying cars for the government? The problem mm-hmm. is, there's no car manufacturers in this in their their country. Yeah, so who's actually so getting all that money? All that so so all the aid money goes in, but it doesn't get spent there. It goes back to Chevrolet else. or wherever. Yeah. Or it goes to the next country, uh, somewhere in Europe, and then they ship the and they should have to ship the cars in because they they don't make any of that stuff because they so, haven't had any of the conditions favorable to establish an economy like that. Yeah, so it's not stimulating anything. It just it's, it's buying a bunch of stuff that gets eventually gets just dumped. Yep, we had this problem. We had this problem in Haiti working with the NGOs where. I was there for almost three months, and when I left at the airport in Port-au-Prince, it was still like pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets of water just lined up, and other just other shit, just crap at the airport. That like even after the earthquake in 2010, with all the various NGOs and and other and and governmental organizations working in Haiti, um, their collective work alone could not distribute that stuff fast enough the other problem is because everyone's in such a rush to try and push this stuff out you're not creating any jobs for the locals there was a token like get them to get locals to to fix roads or something but i mean Mm -hmm. these roads had you know meter long cracks that ran that spanned two kilometers that would be an extensive road work for a first world nation to to do let alone 20 guys with pickaxes and, and some NGO guys supervise, supervising them, air quotes, who also have no idea what they're doing because they're volunteer students. They're for all the right reasons, but having the wrong impact. That's right. Uh, but, I mean, this, this is uh, it is even happens in the, in the U.S. So you have uh, the ward of the U.S., like Puerto Rico. They had the hurricane there, too. And... You can see it from space. You can see the the aid never left the freaking tarmac. It's just sitting there, never delivered. Because it can't. It, have, there's so much shit that flows in. There's just no. There's no infrastructure in place to move that stuff around. Yeah. And and you can't even loot it. No. <laughs> because because nobody it's not an airport. It's, it's no. It's, oh, it's also not an airport, right? So yeah. it's secure. <laughs> it's secure. We also had like. Um, I remember there was this cruise ship that just happened to be in the area. So they'd asked us to go like help them shuttle stuff from their cruise ship to donate to the, to the, to the Haitians, which like good on you. You know, you're in the area. This corporation wants to get its name in the news is also helping out because nobody does anything for free. Um, and this massive cruise ship full of people that probably paid more than a year's wage of any Haitian just to be on that boat, shuttled out all their cartons of goodwill to the local Haitians. And it was all microwavable meals. Like grand, because you know people here have microwaves, mm. so that's mm-hmm. just garbage. You just dumped a bunch of garbage on us. Grand, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, in Sri Lanka, they were talking uh, after their uh, tsunami. They're talking about uh, how they're asking the U.S. to come pick up uh, truckloads of stiletto heels. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey. True story. Yep. 
And so yeah. like uh, just because it's free doesn't mean it's useful. <laughs> no, the best the best group there was this German group and uh, called GTZ. And in typical German efficiency, they gave out like kind of a, a 12 inch by eight inch by four inch deep box. And it contained enough food and like oil to cook it in and stuff for a family of four because of the, the nature of how they generally cook in Haiti is like with that kind of an oil deep fryer. So it was like beans and rice and, and you know, all this stuff and non-perishable is vegetarian just by nature of being non-perishable. But it had all this stuff in it and good for four people for a day. You showed up, you told them how many people in your family, they gave you that many boxes, you carried off, carried on, sorry, for three days. Good to go. Meanwhile, you had a group like um, uh, Save the Children or something who were showing up to distributions with 100 kilo sacks of rice and a scoop. Right. So you got these 3000 Haitians lined up to get their rice, but like they don't have... Anything the people were literally, you know, like when you're a kid and you hold your shirt to pile more toys into it. That's how people were bumbling off on their five kilometer walk back to wherever they came from with their with their food. Dropping rice everywhere. Yeah. Uh, planting your rice along the way. <laughs> like, oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's heartbreaking because a, a lot of volunteers spend a lot of money to go there and think they're doing the right thing. And a lot of people back home spend a lot of money sending a lot of stuff thinking they're doing the right thing a lot of corporations spend a decent amount of money trying to get their name in everyone's good graces and all of this stuff you would think should be helping but it it just isn't right and i mean it shouldn't be that hard for us to think about that if if someone showed up the government showed up and opened a bunch of pseudo mcdonald's and it was free for everybody and just come get you want get what you want. How long would McDonald's last? When Walmart shows up and makes things cheaper, how long do Ma and Pa shops last? So how can we not see that this does this to the economy the developing economies of, of oh, we, very we fragile know it does, but I, 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 there, 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 there's parts of it. I mean we can we can say one one part, you know, the government's there's the government and then there's those those NGOs that really aren't accountable to anybody. And, and are for profit organizations. Uh, there's very few, there's very few NGOs that are completely nonprofit. They still have CEOs, and someone still makes a salary. And the problem with government, yeah, but, but, is that, that but that's not the, def- the, defi- the definition of nonprofit. Isn't that though? The I know, but is a theme. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, but I think nonprofit I mean, is a bit of a misnomer. For those of us that have a business degree, we think of nonprofit meaning nobody's making any money off this. But that is definitely not the case. Somebody's making money. Somebody's always making money. You guys can but hear I mean, me, right? They're accountable yes. to their their, okay. their shareholders too, or their their board yeah. and how they run them. So I mean, they're accountable to somebody, but it's just how we look to at their it. shareholders. Ah, well, they Depends. may not be publicly yeah. traded either, right? Um, so it's like any, but, but I mean, but, even but even, even organizations work because like you need those with a those organizations with a higher overhead cost where they say you know 60% of your dollar will be donated will directly benefit people air quotes on directly benefit i would rather work with them than those that say 80% because those that say 80% are piggybacking off other governmental organizations to try and <clears throat> save the costs in like planning and execution that those that are spending more on overhead are able to do themselves if that makes any sort of sense, if I didn't listen to anybody. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I, I don't think I could carp wash it that way. No, no, no. no. I, that, that, I that's a massive general. Yeah, me neither. Because, <laughs> I mean, I can go into, you know, group like uh, emergency telecom service, 
you know, they have a different effect on how they operate. And mm-hmm. there's actually a group so, called CMAT, Canadian Medical Assistance Team, uh, and they were all volunteer doctors that paid their own way down there to go. You know, um, uh, I mean, they go all over the place, kind of like a, a pseudo Doctors Without Borders. Um, mm. They were quite effective at what they did because at the end of the day. Those are the kind of specialist skills that are absolutely required in time of crisis. They also don't stay there forever. They're not running yeah, but off I, 80 yeah, forever. So, so how would you contrast that with, I mean, I mean I've done some humanitarian stuff too. Um, how would you contrast with like the polit- politicalization of like uh, medicine sans frontier? The politicization of Médecins Sans Frontières is, is, is troubling. The Red Cross as well, they fall into the same trap where yeah. they, they, they always say they want to remain neutral, right? But they're not hiring any local warlord to secure their camps. They're normally counting on the UN or some orient of other organization to secure <clears throat> their camps, which means they're not neutral. They're still aligned, aligned with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. They're not hiring yeah, any. But Red, Red, Cro- Red Cross is even more so because it's in, it's it's integrated into the disaster relief programs within North America. Yeah. Well, they're no, they're, they're aligned with aligned. they're aligned with somebody who's going to make sure that they don't get you know taken advantage of. They right. don't get their shit stolen. They don't get assaulted right. or you know God but, knows what else or else. But when something went wrong in Haiti, you know, um, with one of their camps, they did not call the Cubans that had six guys in, 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 um, in the country, they call yeah. the West, right? They call the Americans. They call who them. says, who says Med San, San Frontier doesn't, uh, do any profiling of any kind. <laughs> Med San Frontier is, um, it's a, it's a somewhat problematic organization in its own way. Yeah. Speaking of uh, crises that you can see from orbit, uh, how about those fires in Australia that are currently going on? Okay, here you go. There's go. something. Australia is on, on fire. How many NGOs are in Australia distributing stuff right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Zero, because Australia's yeah. got a goddamn economy and emergency services, and they can deal with this on their own. If it gets to a point that they can't, they would. Yeah, but. Ask- Aid. They don't. They have. So we're, we're, it, it, what is aid, though? I mean, it's it's. Yeah. They're, they're deporting people, so they call them navy evacuate people. Yeah. Canada is sending firefighters to help the problem. Yeah, like eighty. Um, yeah, but they sent firefighters to help our fires too in the north. That's just that's just you know friendly I know, but countries doing. Friendly I, I think stuff. that's the right. But it's thing, not taking right? anyone's jobs. Yes. They just don't have yeah, enough I, firefighters. Yeah, and I, and I, and, I, and I agree, and I, I think that that's part of it. One one is now stabilization and removable removing extraction after a crisis. We don't stay around forever, and I, I think that's a that's a one of the premises she brings up in the book was, you know, you know, aid is to help get overcoming the disaster, not propping up an economy. And what's happening is. Um, because of the way aid was structured in, in the, uh, in the uh, mid part of the last century, um, they were required to pay back some of the aid money. And they couldn't okay. So it was a loan. So the problem is, is now the, because they, it, they wiped out all the industries and no one's paying taxes, the only way to, to actually make payments on the loans was to get more aid money. <laughs> A, a, a good friend of mine was actually is is um, has talked to me a lot about the effects of um, 
large scale, like particularly when we say governmental crisis uh, management, we're, we're talking generally speaking of it's large scale like military. So when the American military or our military or someone goes anywhere for too long, it buggers up the local economy. And you actually mm-hmm. see you see um, like a, a, a rise in the cost of living in the area. And it's obviously diametrically opposed to the support of the people in the area. So normally when a foreign military arrives somewhere, in, not for war purposes, but for like a crisis, they're generally perceived quite well because they're here to help out. But after about, it doesn't take long, he says 14 to 30 days, inflation starts rapidly because people come from the West, these areas that are already very poor, and the costs of everything start going up, right? We always joke about the white guy price uh, whenever you go anywhere in the in the less developed world. But that generally, because they're coming with so much buying power, they're able to actually buy up goods. And because infrastructure is not great in the country, they're not able to replace those goods. So supply and demand, the cost goes up to the point that the locals can no longer afford it. And then goodwill deteriorates rapidly. And at that point, that military crisis management is probably doing more harm than good. Well, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. but I, and, I, and I think I think a lot of these agreements, too, when you, when you come in the country, how long you're going to stay um, and if you're going to stay for a long period, how many local jobs are you going to provide? I mean, to yeah, how many people are you going to so, hire? Yeah. So that money, get, so money gets channeled back into their economy, and um, it offsets that risk and that that expense. Uh, I saw a documentary recently about uh, was it? It was Ken Burns' documentary on the Vietnam War, and they were talking about what the American presence did for the Vietnamese, uh, not just its economy. But like cu- culturally uh, speaking as well, because there was like certain, you know, soldiers go into a theater like that and they're there for a long time when they go and do R&R, you know, what soldiers do, they they get into they all sorts of, you know, fun times and canoodling. And, and can, what you yeah, see is canoodling. Car- it's, it's all karaoke <laughs> and war brides but and, war there was, brides. and war brides. Yeah. So that was the it was one of the th- comments that they made was prost- prostitution actually took a huge uh, what do you want to call it? Like spike spike <laughs> due oh, to the, pre- due to the pre- fuck off. The French were there for fucking 50 years. Prostitution is- was already quite present. Oh, well, they didn't have Not, as many soldiers. It was the dem- it was a supply and demand thing, my friend. Yeah, no, no, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a volume. No, I watched I watched another another one on uh, another documentary on um, ex- uh, women, exploitation of women and and uh, I think the the parts to note was it was it's not so much as, as the is the prostitution is after the fact, you know, what happens when the soldier <clears> leaves? <throat> So if That's they enter right. in any yeah. kind of relationship, she's now stigmatized and, you know, they, they may probably won't get married. But, you know, now that woman is destined Fuck. to be single for the rest yeah. of her life. Right. And, yeah. and, and the and the local economy probably collapses because there's not mm-hmm. enough money coming in. It, it totally That's right. did. Right. That's yeah. right. Of course it did. Vietnam was dirt poor. But you also see this not not just with um, with military interventions, but you see it with tourism. Right. Like to the point that because of Game of Thrones. Um, Croatia has seen a massive spike in tourism and friends of mine went last year and said they couldn't get anywhere without seeing three iron thrones and, and, and 3000 tourists trying to get photos in it. But Croatia is actually <laughs> the first country in like developed Western Europe considering 
instituting a tourist visa for their country because their infrastructure cannot handle the influx of tourists that they have. And it's 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 making life untenable for the locals. And I mean, you, really? see, you see a city like Venice where the locals don't live there anymore because it's all turned turned into a big yeah. tourist trap. They all live around it. Yeah. Uh, they've well, they've and, been forced and, and out of places going, they've lived forever. Yeah. yeah Airbnb is Venice. It's the Venice culture without Venetians. Um, yeah. And, huh. and the, I mean, in part, how we, we, we handle like Airbnb, Airbnb is kind of facilitating this transition where it's no longer uh, affordable. It's well, easy for a, a property owner just to turn into a, like a hotel. Yeah. Well, San Francisco, I think it was two or three years ago, they became the first large scale city to really consider banning Airbnb. And I'm not sure how it went, but the problem was it didn't matter how much money you had. There was literally nowhere to live in San Francisco. There was nothing to buy because everything had been bought and turned into these Airbnbs. Hmm. Nothing to rent either. Because why would you rent an apartment to somebody for 3000 US a month when you can charge 300 US a night as an Airbnb? It makes no economic sense to rent apartments in that case, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, even some of these other tours, like just speaking of Italy, a friend of mine went to uh, uh, the Vatican, or Vatican City, and uh, did, it get, did it get pushed around by the Pope? Well, I got, I got elbowed <laughs> by a lot of nuns. <laughs> Italian nuns guess, do not fuck about. They went to go and see the Sistine Chapel, and uh, and uh, I, I guess it's like it's it's you. Everybody talks about how beautiful it is and everything, and there's that one Robin Williams speech and what is it, Goodwill Hunting? It's like, have you ever been there? Have you ever smelled what it's like inside there? It's like, no, it smells like he he explained to me. It's like it smells like body odor and and flash photography. That's what it smells like. Yeah, but if you've never been to the Vatican, what happens is you stand outside for about two hours amongst what seems to be the entire population of Rome, and then you eventually get jostled in you find your old lady with a flag who you can barely hear behind the line of 50 other tourists and 15 other tour leaders in 15 different languages Um, and you move along as if on a conveyor belt in a massive press of people so any impressive piece of art you want to see you can't actually stop to look at because you're being jostled by the people behind you and then you just kind of like walk through listening to narration about one out of I mean, there are innumerable treasures in that place, and I would love to spend a week just like diving into each one. But you can't because you barely see it as you get jostled past it. And the 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 dazzling flash of photography in your eyes. It's it's better now with phones being um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being better without doing flash. I'm sure. But then the Sistine Chapel is exactly that. You go in, you get shushed because apparently it's the one place in Italy you can't yell at everybody. And then you you kind of hustle <laughs> along. They don't they don't yell at each other. They just out. talk angrily with their hands. And then you get ejected out the other end. And they're like, "All right, you're done now. Bye. Thanks for your eighty euros. Carry on with your life." Eighty mm-hmm. euros. Oh. Oh, that's 120 bucks to, to, no, to get jostled for an hour and 15 minutes. That's pretty I quick would math. Pay, I would easily pay. If I ever go back to Italy, you can organize um, like after hours tours for like a group of, I think it's a minimum group of five and it's like 2000 euros a person. Oh, geez. but you have 12 hours overnight with nobody. Well, nobody other than the others that want to pay that much, which I anticipate if you did spend it, you'd show up and it turned out to still be the entire population of Rome. But um, if there was actually less people, I think it'd be worth it because there's so much to see in there. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Oh, wow. Wow, they were, they've been seizing things for, for a millennia. 
thieves. <laughs> They're almost as bad as the British Empire. <laughs> I would say. Or I the, would say they, the, did it, they did it. Lo- they did it longer. <laughs> or they did it longer and more effectively. Or or the Swiss, if you want to look a more concentrated uh, example. Yeah, but the, I mean, only. Well, I guess it's not the Vatican. It's the Venetians that, like, they. There was that crusade. I think it was the fourth crusade, the crazy one that they like. They never actually went to the Holy Land. They ended up. The Venetians were the only ones with boats. So they're like, well. We're in a bit of a spat with the Byzantines, so if you sack Constantinople and bring us back like a bunch of crap, then we'll shuttle you to the Holy Land. So they ended up attacking another Christian nation, but never actually going to the Holy Land. <laughs> I love Crusades. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. What a gang of incompetence. <laughs> Turns out religious zeal does not for good planning make. <laughs> It's like what was it what, it's a crusade and populist movement number four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember remember when George Bush said that? Uh at like after nine eleven, he's like, What are you gonna do? It's like, Well, we're gonna go over there and we're gonna conduct a crusade. Yeah, but what yeah, but, the uh, fuck? Okay, <laughs> poor choice of words. But this would be like instead of so this would be like instead of going and attacking Afghanistan after 9-11, you needing to hitch a ride with the Brits who are in a diplomatic spat with the French. So you attack and sack Paris and then just go home because everyone's tired. <clears throat> hey, wait a second. Isn't that how Canada blood? gets around? <laughs> What's that? Isn't that how the Canada gets around? I'm going to ride everywhere we go. Where are we going, fellas? Who's driving? Whose car are we taking? <laughs> well, yeah, so we're, we're back with the military stuff, but I mean, you know, Russia and their new uh, Mach 27 nuclear missile. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's cute. Remember when, you know, remember when... Now is remote controlled. Remember <laughs> in... I think it was January of last year, or it might have been the end of 2018, when they um, they have one aircraft carrier, the Russians... And they crashed it into their only dry dock capable of repairing the aircraft carrier, which, which sunk said dry dock, which sounds super expensive, and tore like a 15-meter hole in their aircraft carrier. That sounds like and a Looney Tunes cartoon. The only other place they could get this repaired – this is up in the, like, in the Baltic Sea. The only other place they could get this repaired is Vladivostok. Ukraine. Ukraine. Vladivostok. Ukraine. <laughs> no, Vladivostok, which is even further – and more awkward for them, which is like by Korea. So they asked, they had no capacity to move this boat, but they knew that there was a bunch of shipyards in Norway that could help them out. So they asked Norwegians if they could tug their aircraft carrier and give them access to a repair facility to which Norway said, yeah, but like three, four weeks ago during our bid NATO exercise, you shot three missiles kind of within 15 miles of our ship. So you can get fucked and you know, you're the dicks if Norway's telling you to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to return back to the not the Cold War. They want to. I don't know what they want. They just want. Uh, it Putin sounds like they just, they just not want the. I don't think he wants the Soviet Union back because I've like, been he, trying to he, figure he, this. He enjoys not lining up for a week for beat rations, but like, I think what he wants yeah, back he, is like Imperial Russia. He's got a yeah. That's that's it. Like I've been thinking about this for a Which, while by the now, way, also, with my small with brain. And and like I think of it, it's like what is his actual game, right? Like he's got to know that communism under the Soviet reign 
failed, like outright failed. We saw it in the Gulag Archipelago uh, with Solzhenitsyn. Like, we understand how poor it was. So what what is he trying to do? What is his game? He just wants control. That's all. What's his game? Probably the glory days of Imperial Russia, which is when their empire was at its height, I guess. Um, So before the revolution? Like before the Tsarist, before the the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So. Back to the Tsarist. Yeah. It's just. But the thing is, that fits in that their culture, right? Might is right. (laughs) Well, that also fits within the geopolitical constraints of the time where that empire butted up against the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the German Empire and stuff. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't fit. You got to realize, too, he's not a young man. So. No. He's, he's what, pushing 70 now? Yeah. Yeah, but he looks great. You seen that so, picture on horseback? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only 30, was it, what I saw a meme the other day was, was, was just, with, with, with 30 minutes a day of Photoshop, you can have a bod like this. <laughs> Go on. Okay, this, write this down, and this will be the best two and a half minutes of your life. Go on YouTube. And look up a song called A Man Like Putin. They actually have a version translated into English. And it's like a typical Eastern European pop song, by which I mean it's like 30 years behind the current style. <laughs> but A it's Man just, Like Putin? Yeah, Man Like Putin is the song. They have an English version and then the, uh, the original Russian version. And it is probably the great, greatest two and a half minutes of my life ever since Gunther's Tralala came out. I'll see if okay. I can. Hold on a second. In honor of our talk, I'm going to get some kvass. I'm brewing some. I'll be right back. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Can we take like a, a two minute break? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Let's do this. Cool. That's fine. I'm going to look up this video and I'll add it in. Oh, it's amazing. After the fact. So, you must be like Putin. Okay. So it's basically a fat guy sitting next to, I assume it's Putin. They're sitting, they're discussing important things because they're all dressed up in suits, but they're sitting in front of a high definition television with two giant ass speakers that you would see in like the 90s right next to it. And then there's these two chicks singing. Oh, she changed her hairdo, or is that a different chick? I don't know. Anyway. This is terrible. (laughs) Well, that's enough of that. Sorry, gents. It's all good. So I was just watching this video. It's this is terrible. <laughs> is, isn't it amazing? It's so terrible. Is, can you enlighten me? What is kvass? Because I just got back from Central Europe where I was drinking a lot of palinka, which for those who don't know what it is, is like moonshine that they make out of anything. So you get it out of like sour cherries or apricot or whatever. And it always has, for those with a refined palate, a paint thinner aftertaste. Well, it's because they probably didn't take off the tails very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to remove the heads, so or you're gonna go blind. But paint thinner. It's, it's all on how you make. It's all on how you make it. Um, kvass is a little more simple. Um, so, like a lot of things that we talk about, you know, my philosophies and how we use food and how it goes hmm. through how we 
sings. So we throw a lot of food out. I know um, you just still. I've listened to all your podcasts. But uh, kvass is, is is essentially like a bread beer. So. Oh, so I've had this in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's there too. Um, quite nice. So I was at a restaurant in in Ottawa, a German restaurant, and he's like, "There's kvass." I'm like, "What the hell's that?" And she's like, "Is a carbonated drink." What is it? It's like it's like a bread drink, like a beer. Yeah, it's oh, made out of like rye bread. It's, it's actually quite nice. So, so uh, I'm like, hmm. So I made mulled wine last week, and I'm mm. like, you know, do you add gin to your mulled wine? Because I always do. You, you can. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I don't add more alcohol to something that's already got enough tannins to give me a nice hangover. Um, I'm but, not. Uh, I'm happy. Rage, so I get away with it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but anyways, so I so I made this one. I got get company coming over tomorrow. Um, but this one here I made uh, with like a, an apple pie type of theme. So I got like a bit of nutmeg, and I got some raisins in it, um, and uh, some apple uh, some apple slices. I got cinnamon, you know, uh, brown sugar and honey, and then. It's a lighter. I used a lighter bread, lighter rye bread. It's not as dark. Dark works really good. Did you make a um, liquid cookie? It's pretty much that, man. But the, <laughs> the thing is, you make it with with a with a baker's yeast to carbonate it. Um. So it, there's it, it, alcohol is maximum one percent. Um. So you can drink as much, pretty much, much as as you want. It just it's a way of extracting more calories from the bread, is how the traditional drink was going. <clears throat> is the baker's uh, yeast what gives it kind of the sweet aftertaste, like somewhat sweet aftertaste? No, that's usually raisins or you add sugar oh, to it. Okay. But the hmm. the baker's yeast gives it like a bread, uh, a more of a bread aroma, and it gives the carbon, it, it causes the carbonation. Okay. So I I got a five gallon pail here. And I have the spigot two inches from the bottom, so the whatever floats floats, whatever sinks sinks, and the the spigot just takes it off from the middle. <laughs> hmm. hmm. I brought I up. To... I was I was drinking a Balvenie Double Wood, but uh, because we we're talking about Zidashins, I brought up a, a bottle of uh, Lvov Premium Vodka, which is never quite... been a vodka guy to be honest. Oh man, makes, if you make you want to vomit, but then again, I've probably ever, had the wrong vodka. Yeah, if you're ever in Eastern Europe, if you ever have good, well, actually, there's uh, <laughs> Alliston, Ontario. There's a company named Beaties makes a really good potato vodka. If you ever get a really good vodka, it's quite smooth and enjoyable. You serve it well, cold, we, like you put it in the freezer. But why don't we make some? <laughs> yeah, we could. Well, I got my still still sitting over there. And <laughs> my, my my friend he just bought a, a five gallon still. He's, oh, nice. he's, trying, he's trying to convince me to put a, five, a thousand liter tank in my garage. I just listened to a <laughs> uh, an interview with uh, Dan Aykroyd, and uh, he's got his is it skull vodka that he makes? Does he do uh, the crystal skull stuff? Of course, yeah, I think he does the crystal skull vodka. It's all because he's all about aliens and all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, how much money can you do you need to have to be weird and nobody questions it anymore? Because like Nick Cage, Dan Aykroyd, Jim Carrey, he's insane. Nick Everyone's Nolte. just like, yeah, whatever. But Nick Nolte got in like a car accident or something like that. So we forget. Gary Busey, but he just did all the drugs. Well, that was Gary. I always confuse those two because uh, they look exactly the same. They do. They really do. <laughs> I would be offended if I was Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're really, if, if you're half wrecked, you look like Gary Busey. Well, like, yeah, because it's like, what drugs did he do? Literally all of them. If it exists, well, he tried it. We haven't heard that anything day, that day. Because every time I see Nick uh, Busey, he's in a rehab show. Yeah, of course. We haven't heard, we haven't heard anything never takes, from... Never takes. He discovers a new drug after from, that. We haven't heard anything from uh, Charlie Sheen in a while. I thought he died. No? No, did, no I don't think he's... I think did he he's just... Called, re- did he just retire with his hundreds of millions of dollars and stay out of public life because he keeps getting made fun of? I no, think, I think he pulled a Mel Gibson and shut up for five years. Yeah, that's probably a good call. And Mel Gibson's it's, back now, like he kind of. Yeah, but he's just he's yeah, just no, he's, he's he's putting out movies now. He's on. Yeah. I saw him on Prime. There was okay. actually a great interview. I, I loved this. There was a great interview with Mel Gibson. I can't remember who was interviewing him, but it was about his most recent film. Uh, not most recent. Um, uh, anyway, the, Hacksaw Ridge. That one. It was yeah. an interview about Hacksaw Ridge. And when the interview started, the guy basically started asking about his drunken anti-Semitic rant and all this stuff. And he's like, you know what? We came here with a set of agreements on what we were going to talk about. We're here to talk about my movie. You're talking, you're bringing up shit from four years ago that I've already apologized for and fuck off and like ended the interview. I was That's like, great. Well you know done. What? You know what? Well done. Like similar thing happened to uh, Robert Downey Jr., who made it back in a big way, considering his well, Iron Man. You know, right? Yeah, obviously, right? Um, but uh, it is kind of interesting. I saw a, a, a similar interview. The guy, uh, the interviewer, was trying to do the same thing with him to bring up. And then they were trying to talk about like Avengers shit and like getting into the character and how long he spent with Tony Stark and all that kind of shit. And then he started bringing up the whole thing about like his previous history with uh, with drugs and was it drugs and alcohol? He was caught. He was cocaine uh, and cocaine. cocaine. Yeah. Anyway, so and and he's just like, it's funny. uh, Like uh, Robert Downey Jr. did. uh, He's very graceful about how he dealt with the situation, and not not so much like uh, like uh, Mel Gibson, um, which I appreciate his his kind of. Um, direction he took with that, but like when you look at Robert Downey, just like he, he's like, okay, he gave him like a strike one, he kind of gave him an out, and then at a certain point, he's like, okay, what are we doing here? What's going on? And then he looked to the producer, he's like, are we done here? And then the producer's like, yeah, you may leave. And then he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> His best that I really liked was um, there was um, there was they they were on like a panel. All the Avengers were on a panel. I think after the first movie, all the actors. Yeah, and um. One of the one of the journalists asked um, Scarlett Johansson was like, your costume is pretty tight. Um, you know, how did you get into it? And were you a- were you able to wear underwear wearing that costume or something? And he's just like, hold the fuck on. Um, you asked me about how I prepared for my character. And then your question for the only woman on the panel is how did she get into her skin tight costume? And was, is, was she wearing underwear? How was that appropriate? That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Somebody defending, you know, a coworker, that kind of thing. You don't see a lot of that happening. That's well, good. I, I just don't like I. this was what, 2015 that movie came out. And I kind of would have thought we were ahead of questions like that. But until someone calls someone out on it, you don't think about it. Right. Because yeah. most of the actresses are just going to like laugh it off and, and give some comment because that's unfortunately the world they have to live in. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was good to good to hear a guy stand up and be like, "That's a, that's a, a supremely inappropriate comment and mm-hmm. question to ask." Well, yeah. What else did I have here? 
Yeah. So you're drinking vodka now. I've got my. Well, I'm still my balcony double oh, now. I just oh, okay. kept the bottle of vodka there in case we go back onto the Russians. Ah, uh, I see. Oh, okay, that's fair. Well, they'll probably come up. They come up quite a bit. <laughs> They're kind of sneaky that way. They're just like. <laughs> yeah. Russia's always kind of been that way, though. Like, I don't know how much of a student of history you are, but like, they're always a factor, despite somehow being like. Okay, so I was watching the HBO series Chernobyl with a good. Mm. I still haven't seen that, but I want to. What's wrong with you? It's it's incredible. I had a second kid, dude, and I was on a career course. so. So I was watching the HBO series Chernobyl with a friend of mine. And where we were at the time adds increased context to uh, to um, uh, to the thing. Like we were, we were both in Eastern Europe at the time, and he had no knowledge of like world history other than the Soviet Union had been a thing, and then it wasn't. Um, and we're watching this, and he's not classically educated, but not a dumb person. So at the end of every episode, we kind of just talk about it, and like you know what what can you apply from this and then like what what did you learn from it and um he, he i remember after the third or fourth ep- no it was after the final when he kind of does his testimony on how it all happened he's just like i don't understand how the soviet union lasted as long as it did and i was like you know what that's that's a fair point the russians have always been classically incompetent i mean the entire first world war the Germans tried to call off and the, the Imperial Russians, our Nicholas was like, it's too late. I've mobilized them. And Kaiser Wilhelm's like, we'll call them back. He's like, I, I, I can't like, I have no mechanism to do that. Once they're mobilized, they're mobilized. Yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> like, so it was kind of a big, everybody flinched. Russia started mobilizing and then it was on like it, it had that Germany hadn't done it. They had just gone through a major famine too. Hadn't they? The Russians? When yeah. have they not gone through a meeting? Well, <laughs> Everything is it, it is it is like it's like a trademark of of like yeah, controlled environment. Well, I mean, it's and it's one of the, it was one of those. I don't understand those, where they all come from. Yeah, it's one of those catalysts that although kind of worked its way towards the Bolshevik Revolution. Anyway, the 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 whole the whole. Um, Chernobyl thing. I mean, Gorbachev stated in his memoirs that it was probably the the single event that led to the collapse of the Soviet Union because it was the first time they weren't able to, they really weren't able to hide their shit from the world. Everyone knew um, that they were backwards. But there's a great line, and and without spoiling um, exactly why it happened in the series, um, there's a great line where he explains what's wrong, or what what the manufacturing defect that caused the Chernobyl explosion is. And the judge asks, well, why, why is it designed that way? And he says, for the exact same reason that every nuclear reactor um, outside of the Soviet union has a containment shield around it uh, because it's cheaper. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. But when your economy is so bad, you're literally lying about how many bootlaces you're producing in a month just to make your people think that you're more productive than you are. Um, yeah, but that's not, and that's not lining up to how many boots that were being made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's uh, like we talked about before. Um, we talked about this before with um, um, when it was just uh, Rocks and I talking for a while there in the weed drams. Um, you know, they they in the Gulag Archipelago, there's a guy that goes to prison because he's the chief engineer of the Dnipro power plant, and he's told to uh, produce a magical amount of power that could not possibly be done even with today's technology. <laughs> and he made the classic error of saying, I can't do that instead of just saying, okay. And trusting to the fact that the Soviet union had no way of tracking whether or not he was actually producing that amount yeah. of magical power. Just send the exact same first, amount yeah. and say it's increased by 15%. Yeah, Great. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Cause all the dudes that were bureaucrats last week are probably dead anyway, or That's in jail. True. So it's That's true. For not clapping loud enough during <laughs> the, uh, during Stalin. <laughs> No, no, uh, no corporate knowledge in the Soviet Union. That was for sure. Yeah. I yeah, but you, 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 you got to be kind of classically trained in a more of a capitalist environment for that to become true, right? So it's, there's a great anecdote out of um, that's uh, true. Out of the end of the Soviet Union, but nobody's entirely true if it's uh, nobody's entirely sure if it's true. true but apparently, they sure. brought a, a bunch of. Um, Soviets to like Soviet administrators to London near the end of the Cold War for some conference. Uh, and at the end of it, they asked, you know, do you have any questions? Because they give them a tour around London. And the guy said, yes, who here is in charge of bread distribution? Because I see there's no bread lines. And mm-hmm. the British are like, well, nobody's in charge of it. Like, it's a free market. Like, you, you, if you make too much, you go to business because you can't sell it. Or if you make too little, you go to business because... You can't sell them like uh, nobody's really in charge of it. Comes in. Competition just, comes in, yeah. Yeah, and the Soviets just could not understand it. They were just enthralled that there were no bread lines in London. Like, how do people get their bread? Who's in charge? Who's the bureaucrat in charge of distributing it? You know. Yeah, and then if you can, if you control the price too much, then it does. There's there's always a um, a steady. Always a, I live in the Belt province, and we control the price of milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the quota system is a little. The quota system for that is a little different, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but it, it it's protected for a couple different reasons. Um, national security is is is, is probably the is probably a big one. Because is, we can yeah. have a whole bunch of foreign influx that wipes out our industries, and then if we go to war, we have nobody to to give which, us milk. Which is where, to be fair to the orange goblin down south. Um, when we had our bit of a great <laughs> spat about metal and steel and aluminum and all that, his his comment on it being a national security issue was taken out of context because he then went on to c- cite the War of 1812, which he didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, but it was a national security. If the Americans are in a in a place that they can't produce enough steel to meet their own demands, or they produce very little because it's being fed into them, that's that causes a problem as well. You need to maintain your own like um, uh, industries that are critical in time of war, right? So yeah, it's like yeah. we didn't outsource all our power industries; we have our own power. Yeah, sold off the four hundred seven, which was stupid, but whatever. <laughs> And and Tim Hortons, but whatever. And, and became the most indebted indebted sub sovereign state in the entire planet. No, get off Not that. Even <laughs> nearly true. Love love the comment because it used to be Quebec, and I love throwing that in their face. But that's also not true either. You gotta understand, there's not very many countries in the world that have 
sub-sovereign states in the way that we do and the americans and mexico and like a few others like the brits have no such thing as a province they have shires yeah they have colonies (laughs) what the people that used to (laughs) (laughs) which is always funny when when i get it when i get a um when i get a a a friend of mine or or an acquaintance who's a, a a true british brexiter it's like we were we stood on our own Throughout two world wars, I'm like, ah, you stripped a lot of money out of your colonies and your empire that you don't have anymore. Now you're an island the size of Michigan. Yeah. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, with with London, London, though, it's it's their foreign land ownership that brings their money into it. Oh yeah, and it's the it is still the financial capital. How their how their money is 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 uh, set up is kind of remarkable. Oh, it's a, it's an incredible, um, you know, for for a state that's no longer an empire, the amount of foreign <clears throat> money coming into London and the fact that London has maintained its status as the financial capital of the world and it didn't become New York is also incredible. Even though they were boring money at the end of World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just amazed. Uh, we never did an intro. We just got right to it. Like, yeah, you can edit that, in, right? I can, yeah, I can throw that in. I'll have to. Uh, You're gonna have to cover your, I think your name was said twice. Yeah, at least once or twice. Yeah, but never by me, only by whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I know the rules. Uh, I've had a long month. Man, okay? <laughs> I had a whole, I had a whole list of stuff that we could cu- talk about. But you guys got right shoot, into it. I, I love it. No, no, this I don't is know good. How, I don't this know how good. long whiskey's got, so let's shoot. This is this is good. Like there was a bunch of stuff that I wrote down. I, I ended up uh, buying a, a Time uh, Time magazine, and uh, it was like the year in review no, uh, no, 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 edition. No. I know, I know. It was just like I was at Shoppers getting some stuff for the wife and kids, and it caught my eye. I was just like, oh, you should probably keep these around and have it collect dust in your attic sometime, you know, and and never really read it. But anyway, it was kind of interesting. They had a series of pictures on it. One was like, obviously, it's got it's got it's he got went right to the pictures. Okay, shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet you know down what bothers there. me with Time? <laughs> you know What's what bothers that? me with Time magazine is they've increasingly become well, increasingly. I mean, they're 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 um they're a private paper trying to make money, but they've increasingly um become pandering to what's common to the point that um, Greta Thunberg was made the um the person of the year. Which okay yeah. sure okay sure no, she well, said what, what, you were pro Donald Trump or what no 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 and I'm pro environmental <laughs> I drive an electric car but um, there's two people who I would have put ahead of Greta Thunberg who sat at a UN council um, after and blasted being, a bunch of people blasted a bunch of people on a script written by her multi-million dollar parents script writers after taking a multi-million dollar yacht across the ocean. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's a Dutch inventor by the name of Boyan Slat who has uh, invented the world's first ocean plastic cleanup system, and it's going to be launching out of San Francisco. Yeah, I did hear about this. There uh, was like a lot of development over the last couple of years of basically somebody who's working at trying. Was it him who's trying to work at just basically cleaning up our oceans? Yeah, he's got a thing that basically just it, it goes along the surface of the ocean and scoops up all the plastic. That's awesome. Um, there's also a young lady I, I, whose name escapes me right now. Um, I'm trying to actually research it, uh, but I'm having a difficult time finding it while talking. Oh, um, 
anyway, what she's eventually what she's discovered is a plastic eating bacteria, which she intends to work in conjunction with Mr. Soyan Blatt or Boyan Slat or whatever it was. Definitely a less uh, productive name. But side note, Tunberg, as according to my Swedish friends, means tuna mountain, which is hilarious. But tuna um, mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is uh, it pronounced Tunberg? Is it Thunberg? Thunberg. Thunberg. Yeah. Uh, well, it makes sense. They're they're they're, they're usually they're, they're fishing colonies. Yeah. Traditionally, and sweets, right? The, the, as, well, and having been to Stockholm last year, they definitely sound like the Swedish chef. Hurdy dirty. That's they should and because, have. A, and because of my complexion and the fact that I have blonde hair, blue eyes, everyone would just come up to me and start speaking in Swedish, which like I appreciate not looking like a tourist, but at the same time, I have no idea what you're on about. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking well, I would of normally just like thing too. But the Swedes are quite the same quiet. problem in Germany. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, you definitely would. I mean, I guess I would too. Yeah. But the Swedes are like very quiet people. So if you just kind of smile and carry on with your day, they're like, he agrees with me, and they don't they don't call you out. You don't get mugged. So you know. Well, that's good. That's good. Right on. That's uh. You know what? Here's the thing about Time Magazine, too, that I thought was kind of interesting. If they're going to put person of the year, why can't they put, like, fuckhead of the year at the back, on the back side of the magazine? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I'm just listening to... Yeah, I've, put I've it been, in, the, uh, in the back end and upside down. And upside down, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like uh, an English-French uh, manual for, uh, for, for Canadian government officials. Um <laughs> no, I was looking into the Australia fires thing, and uh, what's his name? The Prime Minister of uh, Australia, Scott Morrison, I want to say. Anyway, like, have you heard about this guy, what he's been doing, like what he's been up to? No, I've he been set, working on my honey list. Oh, I see. So I guess he was setting in a bunch of policies that was like completely in denial of climate change and all that kind of stuff. And like as the fires were going on, he like he was on vacation in Hawaii and could not be reached. Like, holy shit. There was a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on. People are I don't know. Did you guys hear about that? No, am I all um, alone on this? <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, Trudeau was blasted because he was the only major world leader not, um, not, you know, tokenly serving food to soldiers somewhere in the world um, during during Christmas. However, I want to say that you know these people have very stressful mm-hmm. jobs and also need time with their families. And furthermore. Um, it's not necessarily the most helpful when you go to tokenly give food to people um, overseas because then they have to work extra security shifts and stuff. So, <laughs> why would you send that? <laughs> why? Why? Was, that's a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Cognac sending us stupid shit on chat right now. <laughs> Yeah, but, but no one wants to eat that vegetable after. No. Yeah, just wash it. It's fine. <laughs> that just leaves a it's conversation like a tuna right there. It's like a tuna mountain. You're fine. So my my wife's a nurse, and she 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 she, uh, she once told me a story. It, it, it's all fine until it breaks off and goes sideways. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it sounds. Holy oh, Christ! Oh man, it's terrible. We all heard that story in high school about the girl that like. It apparently happened to someone in all of our high schools in it, ever since frozen hot dogs were a thing that tried to, yeah. you know, 
uh, enjoy okay, yourself. Just so our uh, audience knows what our what we're talking about here, Cognac. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't no, you no, explain but, to the people what but, you've done? Well, my wife was 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 in the in the hospital taking the patient post op. <laughs> nice. So what I've done. What I've done is I've put up a uh, a meme of standard Greta disappointed face uh, with the caption Greta watching you sit on a plastic dildo instead of a cucumber. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought we were a family show. <laughs> you say it. Uh, it's never been true. <laughs> it's true. It's never been true. Okay. But, but, well, because, but I, 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 I think, I think if we, we go back, though, we, we, I think we step back. So you, you yeah. made some comments about uh, Time Magazine, and yes. you're kind of disappointed <laughs> that that Greta did it. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I had some conversations with quite a few product. people. Yeah, but but no, take a step back though. Uh, who cares? Um, Coke's a product, and we everyone drinks a Coke. And we, we, can, we, can, we can make happiness with people are attributing that's, that's more story. to her than she has done individually. Like, say what you want. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. So there's people that there's there's a couple of camps where you say you, you love her or you hate her. But I want to maybe enter into evidence here that that through the her actions, whether it's, it's contrived and supported. And she hasn't. Done, she's a kid. She hasn't done this herself. No. Yeah. You've had people that support her. You know, uh, Katy Perry didn't all make all her songs herself, but we give her credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't. The, the point being is she rallied the, the, the youth. So what's happening is that we have people under 20 now protesting climate change. Yes. And she, she, but it's really being a, a guy who's very pro-democracy. We, we have teenagers now that want to act, see politicians take action. <clears throat> which is right. which is unheard of before. Notorious, that segment of the population has been notoriously uh, silent. But what's but but what's really interesting is who's the voter next year? <laughs> and that, well, that, that's that demographic. You said people under twenty, and there was there was two, three, uh, three major, well, relatively major for us world elections. Since Greta's speech, Denmark, us, and uh, Britain. And uh, Canada and Britain did not go anywhere near uh, a, a party um, espousing any sort of <clears throat> environmental views that are that are worth a damn. Uh, yeah, and but, uh, you, Denmark didn't Canada, either. You've got you to put it in isolation. So, and, I, and I say that Canada's elections very specifically, if you listen to people who who actually did vote and, and, and the polls, they were voting strategically to get the anti-conservative or the anti-liberal vote. And right. that's why it was fused. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that's right. fair. And then Britain. But, but what you're seeing internationally, you're seeing, you're not see, you're not uh, seeing any protests results, in Italy, France, all yeah. over the world, Greece. Protests are great. Protests, protests change fuck all unless action is taken. And the only action that I can think of that's being taken is this kid from Holland who's launched his ocean cleanup machine? So he's actually Which, done he's been something. he's been doing that for years, Since long before long before publicity sent. But here's yeah. here's yeah. The, here's the problem, is uh, is that that shit is boring as fuck, 
and is it goes and unnoticed for a reason. My childhood. That's right. That is what gets you noticed. The best, Un- no, the best thing that, that happened to Greta was not that. The best thing that happened to Greta was the president of the United States taking time out of his day to insult a, to on her. a, a child on the autism spectrum. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Right? No, no, that was the best thing, thing that could have happened to her. Yeah. He he gave her a voice. That's true too. Like I, I'm of the mind similar to sim, similar to Whiskey. Don't let the messenger kill the message if you don't like her. Like I, at the end of the day, you know, somebody's gotta come out and say what needs to be said because yeah. ultimately what's I mean, the message everybody knows that i would say like every reasonable person knows that you know climate change is a very serious issue and it's something that we got to deal with dude but at the two, same it's two degrees in quebec city right now it's fucking it Australia should be minus on, fucking 30 and like, australia is on fucking fire right now like i get it no like i i'm i'm perfectly in agreement with everybody on that matter the message however that somebody like a, a thurnberg a thurnberg is saying is it's not enough for the average person to say yeah it's a problem we got to solve it and then they just move on with their day the message for the fuckhead leadership of every nation in the world that isn't taking action and the problem is is that we end up we end up doing the hard uh, brunt of the work within the Western uh, developed countries, but then you get a nation like India or China who doesn't do fuck whoa, 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 all. Whoa, 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 whoa. Very careful there. Hey. We hey. do the hard brunt of the work because we spent a hundred years doing what India and China are doing right now to develop our economies to the point that we're at that we're able to do green technologies. By saying you can only do green technologies and trying to enforce that in some manner, what you're essentially saying is India and China must remain relatively poor compared to the West. You need to let them go through that industrialization. I, don't know. I, think, I, think, I think there's a there's a hybrid argument somewhere in between. I, yeah, I think but they if can you, learn from our yeah. learn from our mistakes. That's a really good in, point. In Africa, there, in Africa, where where we're shipping all those plastics to be recycled, uh, they're starting to go like, what do we do with these? So what they're doing is they're grinding grinding up soda pop bottles and turning them into in asphalt and uh, roads. blankets and stuff too. Yeah. So no, that's a really good know, point. But, no, you, but you, you, you made a really... Western style standards. So like, like Greta Thunberg's from Sweden, for Christ's sake. Yeah. One of the one of the relatively richest per capita countries in the world. Um, like, yeah, okay. Sweden has great environmental uh, environmental uh, standards. Um, so does Norway. So does Denmark. Right. The the Scandinavians are held up often as a um, on a pedestal as. Like what to be, um, but many countries face geographical, geopolitical, and economic challenges that are not the same. So you, you can't. Know, I was can't, a, I was a, I was in Washington in October, and I met a lobbyist there. She's for uh, she's working out of Norway, and uh, she was representing vape products, and she was she, what she was trying to do is you know get some regulation in, in brought in. <clears throat> Indeed. Ironically, like three months later, everybody's putting regulation on it. Yeah, because um, people started dying. Which, but yeah. the the point is, like, and you're right. There's there's a bit of preachiness going on, but I I think I I think we we, we need to be careful in criticizing the message, like uh, Rocks was saying, because you know what, when um, uh, Nelson Mandel was talking about, uh, you know, anti-apartheid. And he wanted anti-apartheid, but he was in an apartheid country. 
he should still have the the ability to talk about anti-apartheid, even though he's in an apartheid country. So, just because she's from Scandinavia and she has doesn't have to have doesn't have the same struggles as everybody else, doesn't mean she can't talk no, but, about the struggles. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm uh, saying yeah, is, yeah. she has no answers. She's not doing anything. She's 16. all she says is I, I and I completely. She, she's understand just trying that. to create a call to action. I, I completely understand that, but yeah. the young gentleman from Holland was eighteen when he invent, he invented his ocean cleanup thing. Um, just get it to like, get it, get, I get it. Uh, I get it. behind her boat. <laughs> yeah, sure. Her her parents' boat because they're rich as shit. So I, so I get that. The question I, here, and, and, ever... and and I'm what I'm saying is that like we can't. I don't agree with Time Magazine's person of the year being given to someone who simply shouted how dare you at a UN council when there are other people who have done major research it's another example of popular people overshadowing scientists which is how we get into this whole climate change fucking debate to begin with or and typically I I agree with you 80% of the time I will totally agree with you but what right now we we have a big populist movement, and it's not always positive. <laughs> you think about it, a lot of it's just trolling on the internet and going, yep. you know, how dare you, th- like the Democrats? But what she she did is a call to action, like uh, Rox was saying, and she motivated people. And there's and right now, I, I you, you drive by Kingston City Hall on Fridays, and there are people protesting the climate change. Uh, and there, are, if you listen to the news, like people are seniors are having sit-ins on you know tea time on every Friday in front of Parliament Hill. Um, yeah, but they don't have a job. Even though they they probably drove there in their Lincoln, um, I'm they're, sorry. they're the ones that did this to us. I I also have to mention it sounded like they were actually protesting climate change as if they're trying to protest climate change from happening. <laughs> I don't understand. In a way they are. So it needs to go away. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, I, I didn't I, vote you know, for any climate change. It's like the old man shouting at the storm, <laughs> throwing <laughs> a rock at it. Too warm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my knees are starting to tremble. Storms are coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that now, and I'm 30. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, no, but I think that called it that positive call to action. Like you can, you can, you can, you can say that the guy who's cleaning up the ocean is good. But he, he he's dealing with the plastics that are there. Well, he's um, doing so. she's trying to she's trying to go do the the front end and do like a more preventative nature, nature right? Deal with policies in the front end. Yeah. Like, okay. Right okay. Now, okay. Like, she, like, like when I go buy a pair of shoes now, and they give me the box to go with the shoes, I'm like, no, that's your box. I how want the shoes. Do you, how often do you buy shoes? Every three months. Oh my god! You're, 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 you're a woman manufacturing the transport. Oh my god! <laughs> I wear. I wear it's out, why that right? it's so. why there's actually a, a and this is a good thing. There's a bunch of people I know, uh, myself included, who have sent emails to like oh, what's it called, GoodFoods.ca or whatever. That's like sends locally sourced like um, yeah, there's a bunch you know, of things f- to your house for like yeah. uh, individual meals and all this stuff, and it's designed to get you eating healthy. But every single ingredient's wrapped in plastic. Wow. I mean, if you grow it in your backyard, it's not wrapped in plastic. They, that's the only way you're getting it, man. Buy it from the local farmer's market. It's not wrapped in plastic. It's not All wrapped. it is, it's it's just it's it's people that are lazy and want to feel better about themselves. Yes, there's that too, but there's also like it's, 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 it's a 
byproduct or even just a regular just uh, what the outcome is when you create efficiencies with the technology that we have. People create people feel that uh, there's a need they create the need and then other people will buy into the need like fuck if cavemen had a had an ounce they'd figure that shit out pretty quick too well that gets me the food faster than having to go out and hunt for it myself fuck yeah i'll do that this is actually a conversation (laughs) i was having with 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 a friend of mine and to her credit she's not a big car person and i was saying how she was asking if um i knew how to drive manual and if i could teach her and i said yeah i've driven manual my entire life um, but I no longer have a manual car because I have an electric car. And she and was saying, don't. Oh, they don't make those in manual. I was like, Well well, no, it doesn't have it doesn't have a transmission. It's That's like right. A, That's right. The, the gear selector is basically just telling the computer what direction to, to rotate <laughs> the motor in. Um That's yeah, and, and they go from zero to sixty, like the Teslas go well, from like zero to sixty in like right now less three, than two seconds. I, I, yeah, it all depends if you have a yeah, if you have a uh a hybrid, the hybrid's a little different, but yeah. Hybrid, yeah. That, 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 that's miles per hour, by the way. Full, full electric. Uh, mine does zero to 100 kilometers an hour in 3.1, I think, after the latest update. But um, it, it's stupid fast and stupid efficient. And then she started asking a lot of questions about cars because she had a she had a working knowledge of cars, like most people do. Um, but what I was trying to tell her is that what what – um, Elon Musk did with Tesla and then a lot of companies are now following on uh, with their own personal versions of is prove that what we've been doing for a hundred years was not ever the only way to make a car go. It was yeah. always seen as the only way and things were evolutions on the only way, much like if um, those are related to it, business and governmental decisions. Well, the first factories were all DC guys. The first factories yep. were all built on DC motors. DC yep. motors have been doing doing this longer. Yeah, they and have. It, well, they also it was all about competed. production, and and we, the only thing we didn't have was battery power, and that was the exactly. limitation. Exactly, and, and, and that's and that's still. So my car gets about 500 kilometers with a tailwind in perfect weather. If I play no music, if in the winter, I'm getting about 350 to 400 kilometers of range out of my car. And um, Elon Musk has has stated that battery technology is the big thing holding them back right now. Yeah, I would wager in 10 years, the things that my car does, like drive itself and everything is not is not going to be cool anymore. It's going to be the standard, the industry standard. It's going to look like cars apart. It'll be battery technology. I, I feel like. Much like uh, the microtrip was the greatest breakthrough, and then lithium batteries were a great breakthrough in, in in terms of technological innovation. The next battery is going to be the big thing. You think so? You think it's going to be a battery? It's going, it's going to be huge because if we can if we can figure out a battery that could store exponentially more energy than what we have right now, yeah, uh, then we could potentially harness lightning as a power well, let, well let, let's let well let's potentially I mean, lightning is a very different thing so let's yeah you know, I saw more a static sta- static discharge versus uh, okay uh, store I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean i mean i got the electrical engineering degree and i appreciate what you're saying well i know um, i know one thing i know they caught lightning in that witcher show which was pretty sweet so that's that's all i know <laughs> and, and I, I, the word it's all magic to me is kind of interesting but no, but 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 you're, you're right and and i think there are technologies out there i mean 
I did. I did. My uh, thesis was actually using a hydrogen fuel cell, which answers a lot of different problems. Um, uh, so there are technologies, just how we want to put it out there. So you can use. Well, there's always a technology, uh, but whether or not it's cost efficient, right? It is. I, I mean, hydrogen fuel cell, right? It just prevalence of use and acceptance, right? Because mm. uh, supply and demand is a kind of a yeah, supply supply and demand is a fickle thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because if you if you, you can have something that's completely that's better, uh, but if you go control ways and uh, control what it is, where it's sold, and how it's marketed, it'll fail. Like Betamax was better than VHS. So was but, HD DVD to Bluetooth, but uh, Sony got the porn industry on board. Or sorry, Blu-ray. So <laughs> the porn industry. It's true. <laughs> yeah. No way. But you, yes. But, yeah, but I mean wow. I, that's just how it is. So I mean, you you can be on electric batteries, but you know the hydrogen fuel cell, which is if you do a lot of a fair amount of reading, is quite prevalent. In fact, they're using hydrogen fuel cells to store uh, electricity during off-peak hours. So yeah. what they're doing. Uh, let's say you have a hydro dam, right? And you can't just turn the switch on and off. So no, the water you use the power, use the power on, use the power, or you don't use the power. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hydro dam is running. So what they do is they during off peak hours they run, they have a hydrogen uh, generator. So they're basically taking the water that's coming off the falls, they pump it into, uh, they separate the hydrogen and the oxygen and store the hydrogen. Okay. So then when um, when, in order to respond to sudden uh, demands, they just they hit the fi- hydrogen fuel cell. They start releasing hydrogen into the hydrogen fuel cell, which uh, which is easier for it to answer the peak demand rather than changing the changing uh, the dam. So the same thing works for coal plants. And you say, well, what other uses is? So you can actually buy you can actually buy um, what's known as a diesel reformer or a hydrogen reformer, mm-hmm. and it'll take uh, diesel fuel. Reform into hydrogen and oxygen, and it could, you can run the hydrogen through a fuel cell. And the trucking industry is already doing that. Well, yeah, but the trucking industry is about to be disrupted because um, Tesla's releasing their um, their truck that they developed in conjunction, I think, with Mercedes Benz, which yeah, has increased towing capacity and and the autopilot that that Tesla's uh, famous for. Um, <laughs> but. Um, where are we on microfusion? Is it actually feasible? Like, is it actually even mathematically feasible? Because uh, there's a lot of things. No, and I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you an example. To create it. Well, no. like to artificially create it. Or, sorry, microfusion. But anyway, um, I'm going to give you an example. The Winkle engine. So I used to drive a Mazda RX-8. It had a mm-hmm. rotary engine in it, which. Mm-hmm worked incredibly differently than any other engine. This engine was called a Wenkel engine because it was invented by Wenkel during the Second World War, uh, a German scientist for use in fighter planes. But they never got it to work because it would just shake itself apart. Which, by the way, if anyone that happens to be listening is looking at buying a Mazda RX-8 used (laughs) with about 110,000 kilometers on it. Don't do it because at 118,000 kilometers, you need to get the entire engine replaced because it still shakes itself apart. But at the time, um, these fighter planes were unable to use this technology despite it being hugely efficient. I mean, I had, I had 264 horsepower and a zero to 60 time of, uh, of like, uh, uh, sorry, zero to a hundred time, like 3.5 out of a 1.3 liter engine. 
Now, yeah. it's incredibly small and light, but that engine drank gas like it was going out of style and burned through oil like nobody's business. Like every tank, it, every fourth tank, it put in a liter of oil because of the way the wow. motor. Wow. Because of the way the motor works. Yeah. But it generates consistent power, right? And it was seen as the most efficient, like power to cubic inch motor at the time, which is why Mazda was using it for these <clears throat> sports cars. Um, the Germans were unable to make it work just because metal alloys at the time were unable to support the strain caused by the constant rotating kind of triangular shaped thing. Yeah, it, yeah, the, 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 yeah it, 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 the difference in normal piston. The normal piston is like a tube and a rod when a piston yeah. goes up and down. Or the rotary style engine is essentially a, a rounded triangle that yep. rotates through a circular shaft, and, and as it draws in and out, it it works well. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal in design. No, it was yeah. amazing. But then, um, like my car, my 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 Tesla, it's literally an electric signal goes to a motor that turns the wheels. There's no lot. This is why electric cars are so fast. There's no loss of power in the transfer of the piston or rotary explosion to the drive shaft to turning the wheels. It's instantaneous wheel turn. That's where all the That's power. That's crazy. Goes. And there's, no, and there's no it's gears. instantaneous torque. It's instantaneous. Yes. And, and it's instantaneous. So my car has the equivalent of because it's really hard to measure on them, but it has the equivalent of about 574 horsepower and 574 foot pounds of torque. Because with an electric motor, it's the exact same thing. I have the exact same acceleration, jamming the pedal in, doing 150 that I do doing zero. It takes yeah. off the exact same way because it's just a, an electrical. Um, Bearing, um, well, motor, and it's incredible. And it's not, it's not perfect. It's, it's not perfect. I mean, I, I mean, I no. mean, there's, there's, there's friction less and drag coefficients, sure. but, it, it, but yeah, yeah, the end, the the torque, the torque curve, and the horsepower curve uh, yeah. on a, on a gasoline engine, yes, because otherwise it'll, it'll stall out. But yeah, yeah, so yeah you gotta, you're right. You got to compare it. Right? You got to compare it to. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what a human being can also feel. Yes, the, the, the data suggests that over time it accelerates less quickly because of drag coefficient, increased air resistance, and et cetera, et cetera. But what Elon Musk did with Tesla was challenge the well-established, because as you mentioned, electric motors have been around since the early 1900s. Everyone's known they existed um, through various. Um, um, supply and demand, primarily what people wanted, right, was was what the what the car companies were producing. Um, and well, it's now, but now you see the now you see the dynamic shifting, and now what people want theoretically is electric at a consumerably a consumerably available cost. But even then, what you're seeing is a lot every time I'm at every time I'm at the Tesla service center, which is rare because there's no real maintenance, what you see is a lot of old people who are there in their, you know, Porsche Cayenne or whatever and looking to change to something electric. You're seeing a lot of these people that would be buy I was going to be buying an Audi. I chose to buy the Model 3 instead. Um because it has appeal. And that's what Elon Musk and Tesla has done is given electric appeal. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's the type of guy that sells things. And yeah. And uh, I totally agree with that. Well, he's a business. It's all in the, in the marketing. He's yeah, also an engineer, but he's a businessman too. He's basically Tony Stark. He's a computer engineer, isn't he? Uh, doesn't he yeah, PayPal? 
MIT yeah, PayPal? Yeah, he did PayPal. That's right. He yes. did PayPal. He also tried to dig a tunnel underneath LA, I believe. He's still trying to do that. He, oh, he's, he's still trying still, to do that? He's still arguing the, the, that tunnels the, the, the are the future the, of getting rid of traffic. You want to do the, yeah, the Hyperloop. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, and then he got uh, SpaceX started. He wants to be the first uh, first people on the moon. Call He wants to call, not move, sorry, Mars. He wants to call him Mars. Mars. Yeah. That's right. And that's, I'm pretty sure that's why the Cybertruck. I almost said the first people on the moon. I'm pretty sure that's why Cybertruck (laughs) is is allegedly got bulletproof glass and he made a flamethrower is so that he can conquer Mars if there's any resistance. (laughs) But there's no oxygen. (laughs) That's fine. You'll figure it out. It's fine. That's why Cybertruck has a cyber quad. You can just explore Mars to your heart's desire. And and the flamethrower... whiskey is because in the dome that will be required to colonize mars there will be oxygen and then if there's ever a civil war you can't risk piercing the dome with bullets because then everybody dies so you need the flamethrowers that's why (laughs) so you want to put a compressed gas in a compressed space which is gonna be fine it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine (laughs) just go with it just Just don't understand you haven't run the math have you (laughs) do you follow his twitter because it's 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 incredible Somebody, no, I have a life. Uh, so there, there was a no. <laughs> Somebody, he wrote no, something. What you have is kids. I have a yeah, life. Th- this is true. Yes, <laughs> as you say, crotch goblins. Yes, That's the crotch goblins. Them. Yes, or fuck trophies, or money second to the <laughs> or fun racket. Uh, oh my god, I gotta find this meme I saw recently about Elon Musk. Let's see if I can send it. A future supervillain. No, well, that's one of them. Shit. Um, why don't you guys just chat for a couple of minutes? I'll be right back because I've got to run uh, and go to the washroom. Yeah, we can take a break. <laughs> take a break. We can take a break if you want. I don't know how long uh, whiskey's got with us normally. I mean, I gotta, I gotta wrap it up here if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, so then I'll just come back with you, Rocks. After. Yeah, sounds good. We got. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been going for about what hour? An hour forty-seven. That's yeah. pretty good. So I'll I'll make this. Uh, we could probably break this up into two. I'll figure that out. But uh, done it before. Yeah, we have <laughs> broke our chat into like eight. Holy shit! Like that was pretty good. I did a lot of listening. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and whiskey hasn't heard any of it. I know. Convinced <laughs> <laughs> he either has his own podcast or his voice on 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 film or camera. Or no, I I actually listened to, like I listened to a lot of the Economist stuff, um, and I listen two audiobooks a week, plus Me the too. Economist, which is like three hours long. If you'd have so listened to my chat, and then, and then and then I actually have a job. If you'd have listened to my chat with Rox, I was saying how I listen to audiobooks at the drive to and from work and in the gym. So I get at least two and a half hours of audiobook reading in um, a day. And that's barring anything else I do. I'm 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 almost at four hours a day. Sometimes I do an eight hour book in one day. And so yeah, but I don't crazy. just put in headphones and ignore everyone around me. So see, that's the only I do that option when I'm I have. Actually, uh, so I just got back from a week in Europe, right? And I went through four audiobooks there because when I'm wandering around looking at things, I just have an audiobook in. So yeah, and then I don't. And hear also, I also have kids, you know, hands free. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you guys get the time to be able to do that kind of shit because I'll maybe get my headphones in and listen to a podcast while I'm. 
trying to make breakfast or cleaning up around the house, that kind of stuff. But it's always like, hey, can you do this? Hey, oh, did you hear about this? Or or it's a kid screaming in your ear. And uh, I have a series of Bluetooth speakers in the house, and it's just always on in the background when I'm. (laughs) Thing is, is the stuff that I listen to has cursing and swearing, so I can't listen to that on those Bluetooth speakers that (laughs) surround my house. Why? Why? Um, Because his wife would never let him live it down. Because. That's exactly right. Because I don't want to get hit. Right. <laughs> she doesn't like swearing. Oh, because the kids. Because the them, Yeah, but you t- take the power out of the words. Teach them what's right and wrong. Yeah, they're two and two months, and they're not saying it anyway. So you don't have to worry. That about doesn't it. work when they're sent home for potty mouth. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever do you got know sent it? home for. Do potty you know mouth. they do now? They, they do. do. It's oh, wrong yeah. with the world. We Why? should. That, hey, it's that's our next mouth. topic. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I like it. <laughs> Take the power out of the word. Maybe, like, I mean, fuck me. Like, <sighs> okay. Go back. Why is that important <laughs> to people? I think this is a good segue. We'll, uh, right, we'll come back to this. Oh, right, man, talk, talk to you guys. You guys, do you want to do it next week? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're down. Uh, yeah, I'm down. Uh, should be available. Would you guys be All able perfect. to do like Thursday? Probably. I mean, I go back to work Monday, so we'll see. Thursdays are my worst day because that's when I come back from Ottawa. Okay. Um, okay, we'll try. We'll try. Or Saturday is, is fine for me. Let's let's try that then. All right. I, just, I have to get permission. Saturday. Saturday. Oh, okay. Let's try for Saturday. So right. are we going to talk about know. why do we make a big deal out of kids swearing next week then? Yeah. Well, we well let, let let let's start let's start with uh, uh, George Orwell and the degradation of English and and, and English. Uh, English and politics and English language, and then we'll go right. I like that, except that English is an evolving language, so it never degrades. But yes, absolutely. It's in retrograde. Come on. It It is significant. It never degrades. Listen to this guy. All right, man. Have a good day. All right. right. Cheers. Rocks here. Just wanted to take another moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your not-so-weekly dose of Whiskey and Rocks. It's been a while since we've been at it. Uh, We're currently on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes. Uh, We're on Google Play, Spotify, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand, but not really because real life gets in the way and the bills don't pay themselves. As well, you can help us out even more if you find us and like us on Facebook, tell all your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club. It must be like